And thank you guys for joining in to another service with us here in Lafayette. Praise God. Praise team finally came back in and they were able to be a blessing to us this morning. I hope you guys enjoyed them. Amen. They were happy to be here. Happy to serve you again. Amen. So before we go into our offering, I just want to read a let you know the direction we're in right now as a ministry and when we are planning on coming back and then we'll have our offering. So let me just give you a little update on where we are and what our plans are and what we're thinking. Amen. And then we'll we'll have our um, offering time. Praise God. So greetings, our life change family. To say, as you are aware, this week, the governor announced phase one of reopening businesses, including churches. So as we move forward, we want you all to be aware that we are not participating in immediate reopening to ensure everyone's well-being. But we are taking the necessary steps to make sure we follow all protocols and guidelines outlined by state regulatory authorities. So in keeping you all informed is key during this time as we anticipate welcoming you all back to the sanctuary. So here's a few things we're going to be doing. We have set a tentative date of Sunday, June the 7th, 2020, to reconvene our in-person worship services. And the reason I say tentative is because that's the end of phase one. And, of course, we want to monitor and, and see how that goes. And if phase one goes okay, then we are planning on coming back. And then there's regulations on the percent of people that can come in church. And then we're hiring a cleaning crew. I'm going to have some sanitary things done, uh, restructuring chairs, just, just doing all the right things. As you've been seeing, some of your businesses doing, uh, trying to keep the distances and all of that in line. So we're going to follow some of these same procedures. So June the 7th is when we're looking at coming back together as a family. But this just gives us some time. And the reason it took a little time, because we wanted to kind of know the direction of our state and monitor and be prudent, of course, like everybody. And the scripture says wise people look well into their going. So we just want to gather as much information as we can and, and, and protect the safety of you and your family as best as we can. Because we know we have elder people that come to church with us. We have some people with different health conditions. So just in an attempt to be responsible, <laughs> that's some of the measures that we took. So June the 7th, we plan on coming back as a family with modification and new sanitary things in place. And we'll keep you posted. And if anything changes, of course, we'll notify you as well. So we have established weekly meetings with the admin team and some leadership to discuss our best plans of action moving forward. We will ensure that each parishioner is well informed on the plan of reopening and while we are in services, how we will proceed with things like uh, new visitors and offerings, altar calls, meetings we have. We just want to make sure that we have good protocols and processes in place to handle some of the normal things that churches do, baptism, things of that nature. So more information will be announced once preparations and all of these things are finalized. So set your calendar June 7th, and if you feel comfortable to come back in and worship with us, you are more than welcome 
but just know that on our side, everything is going to be done properly. So thank you all for your patience in this process. And we know that you can't wait to get back together and being in a sanctuary, praising and giving God the glory. So when we all come back together, we will have a day of rejoicing. But until then, continue to follow us in live stream services for the next two to three weeks and Wednesdays online as well. So we miss you. We love you. And of course, we can't wait till we can see your faces again. Praise God. And if you have any questions, amen, everybody is pretty easy to uh, come in contact with. Everyone is pretty accessible. So if you have any questions on the announcement that I just read, feel free to reach out. If anything wasn't clear, feel free to reach out. But again, June 7th is our tentative date to come back together with modifications in place. Praise God, so we love you. So let's get ready for, y'all saw that we had our offering. We did our offering period already? No? Okay, praise God. So we're going to ask that you prepare your offering. And on that note, I want to thank all of you that have been supporting us during this pandemic quarantine season. Amen. You guys have been faithful, and we bless God for that. And I just want you to know that always remember the scriptures that I, I share with you as we do offering. How Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. He said, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. So always remember that when you sown into the kingdom of God, and the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God, it's not volatile. You know, when we went into this pandemic in February, some people, they pay attention to the markets and you got 401ks and economic data and we saw a sharp downturn because the markets are based upon human behavior uh, wars pandemics things of that nature but one thing that i've learned and from experience that a safe place to invest and give money is in the kingdom of god because the kingdom of god is not volatile it's immovable it's unshakable and it lasts throughout all generations. So when you give into God, amen, remember the widow woman. It's not about how much you have. It's about giving from the right heart. So prepare your offering. You can go online, amen, and they can give you all the text and information on lifechangeministries.com. Click on the Lafayette tab. Thank you all for giving. God bless you. We'll have the word shortly.
you all for tithing off and let's bless it. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for all of those that gave today. Bless their heart. God, bless their storehouses. Bless their baskets. Bless their family. God, bless everything, oh God, that they touch, oh God, and I thank you. Oh, God, how you've kept them, God, and how you've kept us. God, bless their seeds and cause it to be pressed down, shaken together, and run over in Jesus' name. Amen. So praise God this morning. Amen. There's a word from God for you today. Amen. I'm excited to teach it, to share it with you. Amen. I really believe that God has put something in my heart for us people today as we're getting closer to coming back together. So, amen. Prepare your hearts for the word today. Amen. I believe it's going to bless you. I'm very, very excited to bring this message to you today. The title of it is Put Your Face in Your Mantle. Your Mantle. Amen. So we're going to walk through some scriptures and understand that. Let me pray before we go into it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word of the Lord today. God, I thank you for allowing our praise and worship team to come back into the house of God. God has been an absence, oh God, but I thank you that you kept them all healthy and God strong, God symptom free. God, I thank you for allowing your hand to be upon them. God, and bless every member of the team, God, even those that couldn't gather today, God, that God keep them all, God. God, and begin to strengthen them, oh God, in this time. God, and I pray for everyone that's listening to the word of the Lord today. God, I pray, God, that they're attentive because I believe that there's a word from you for each and every person listening today. So, God, as I walk through this word, God, let nothing hinder your word. God, speak to your people today in the name of Jesus, I pray. God, and let nothing hinder your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get into the word. Put your face in your mantle. Praise God. Let's go over here to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, and I pray that you follow me, please, and stay attentive. Amen. Amen. God revealed some things to me through this, and I definitely want to share it with you. Praise the Lord. 1 Kings 19. All right. Y'all pray for me today. Help me to stay calm because I'm excited. I got to see some of the family today, and it's exciting. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's go to 1 Kings. I'm almost there. 19. All right. 1 Kings 19. Let's start here at verse 10. It says, and this is about, I share with you about Elijah, three chapters that led to this right here. This is the conclusion of the third chapter in this little saga. So we come right here and we talk about how Elijah ran from Jezebel after he slain the prophets and the glory of God visited him. And here he is talking and he says, and he said, this is Elijah talking to the Lord. I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, and they have thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. 
And I, even I only, am left, and they see my life to take it away. And he said, go forth, stand up on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke it in pieces, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. He said, then an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. He says, and after the earthquake, the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, and here's where we're preaching from. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, the voice of God, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the inner and end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Here is the point right here that I want to build on. We know that Elijah was in a moment where he had just asked God to take his life. In other words, that he felt like the mantle that was resting upon his life brought him or was causing him these problems. He felt like the call of God had put him in a position to where his life was being threatened. And, and, but what happened is after he sought it through the mind, the turmoil of the mind and the feelings of the flesh and the passion of his spirit, after he sought it through those things and heard the voice of God, the scriptures say he grabbed his mantle and he wrapped his face around it. What is the message to us in that? There's going to be times, see, your mantle represents what God has called you to do. Your mantle, the prophets wore mantles, and that showed the people who they are. And it was an indication, or it was a token, or it was a sign of what God had put in you. And this is the revelation in this message. The mantle or the calling of God that God has put upon your life you, I'm going to show you today where that calling goes. That mantle was just a physical expression of being a prophet. But God does something deeper than that. God, when God calls you or God gifts you, God puts that thing in your spirit. He puts it in your soul. He puts it in your bones. The calling of God is put in your beings. If you're called to preach, if you're called to sing, if you're called to administrate, whatever God has called you to do, work, anything that entrepreneurship, anything that God has called you to do, that's a gift of God that's placed in your spirit. And once God puts that in your spirit, he's requiring you to fulfill it. Nothing that you go through in life is justification for you taking your manner off. You can't take your manner off because you got offended or because you went through a temptation or you went through an adversity or you went through a problem. The mantle of God or the call of God is not something that you can just pick up and put down. Because before God even calls you to Christ, before God even calls you to ministry, God has already put something in you. And by you coming to ministry, then God will have somebody speak to you concerning what's in you. But God puts that in you at birth. <laughs> Praise God. So the mantle or the call of God is non-negotiable. It is an honor. It is a privilege. 
But we need to know that when God puts a mantle on our life to fulfill any purpose, sure, you're going to be tried. You're going to be fought. You're going to face adversity. Even at this point, look at the volatility of the prophet's life, the highs and the lows, the great glory of being in such a place with God to what he called fire down from heaven and anointing like you've never seen. But the next day, he's finding himself in a cave. That's the highs and lows of ministry. That's the highs and lows of being called. Sometimes your mantle is going to bring great glory to your life. And then sometimes that very same mantle that's resting up on you can cause you to be put in a position where you're despised and rejected. So the mantle travels and it's not something you can put on and take off whenever you want to based on what you're going through. But the gift and the calling of God, the scripture say, is without repentance. Meaning once God connects a mantle of any kind to your life, which is what he has called you to do, he places it in the fabric of your being and he's requiring you to fulfill it. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So you can't just take your mantle off. Praise God. Somebody say, put your face in your mantle. Because we're going to need to do It's during this time of pandemic that that's what can keep you. Because you know you're called by God. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah. And now you're going to understand this a little better. Now you're going to understand this a little better here. When God has placed a mantle on your life, you can't just take it off because you're in your feelings or you you in an emotion or somebody offended you or something happened to you. No, God is still requiring a fulfillment of the mantle that he placed upon you. Because look at this. Let me show you something in the book of Jeremiah. This scripture is going to bless you. Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, or it came to me saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, oh God, he said, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Praise God. <laughs> he told Jeremiah, you're just coming to realize who you are. And some man of God or woman of God may have come into your life at different intervals and spoke over your life and said, God has called you to preach. God has called you to sing. God has called you to administer. God has called you to serve in some capacity. But God is saying, before you even had the knowledge or some human, before I opened the eyes of any human and showed them what I put in you, I had already set you apart even before you entered in the womb, in my mind, I already knew what I called you to be. I already had a mantle prepared for you before your mom and dad even knew that they were going to have you. God is saying before any human intervention, I already set you apart and had a mantle, a customized mantle or calling that that originated in my mind. That's why the, the Bible talked about when Jesus was born. They say not by man nor of the will of man. See, when these gifts and callings come up on you, it's not by man's will. It's not by man's design. It's God that has called you to do a thing. And what you got to do is realize that no matter what adversity you face, no matter where you go to church, no matter what has happened to you, there's a mantle upon your life and God put that mantle upon your life before you were even formed in the womb of your mother. 
God say, I formed you in that womb. Can he say, before that womb even knew you were there, I already had a mantle, and I already had it in my mind what I wanted you to do with your life. God already knew. Amen. You may be late finding out when you're 15, 20, 30, whenever you find out. But before you even came in the seed form, God say, I already had a mantle designed for your life. I already knew. God said he already knew. So you cannot allow situations and circumstances and offenses and human interaction and demonic interaction and sometimes your own shortcomings in your flesh. None of these justify the removal of the mantle that's called God has called you for. This mantle is on your life before you were born. And you got to carry this mantle even to your grave. And I'm going to show you that your mantle follows you even after you die. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So God told Jeremiah, he said, before any human intervention, before any human plotting, any human planning, I already had a mantle for your life. Now, let me show you how powerful this mantle is. Let me show you something. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 20. I hope y'all paying attention to me today. Jeremiah chapter 20. Praise God. Verse 3. Verse 2. Well, let's see. Let's start at the first verse. Now, Pasher, Jeremiah chapter 20. Now, Pasher, that word Pasher, that name means freedom. Remember that. The son of Emma, the priest, who was also chief and covenant in the house of the Lord. So here you see Pasher a son of a priest, and he was the governor in the house of God. He had a high position. He heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. So when God is going to show you right here, it doesn't matter at what level you offended. You still got a man on your life. Then, Je then Pasha, he smote Jeremiah, the prophet. He smote him. And after he smote him, he put him in a stock that went to the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. So he smote him and put him in jail, the governor of the house. And it came to pass on the morrow that Pasher brought Jeremiah forth out of the stocks. And then said Jeremiah unto him, the Lord has not called thy name Pasher, but Macarissabib. That word Macarissabib means a terror on every side. He say, do you think your name is freedom? That's not the spirit you're walking in. He say, you're walking as a governor in an evil spirit, and you are terrorizing me on every side. And so Jeremiah was a little upset. But he say, for thus said the Lord, behold, I will make thee a terror to thyself. This is God talking. And to all your friends, then they shall fall by the sword of their enemies. Then thine eyes shall behold it. And I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon. Then he shall carry them captive into Babylon. Then they shall slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the strength of this city and all the labors thereof, and all the precious things thereof, and all the treasures of the kings of Judah will I give into the hands of the enemies who shall spoil them and take them and carry them to Babylon. And thou, Pasha, and all that dwell in your house shall go into captivity. And thou shalt come to Babylon, and there shall you die. So God was letting Jeremiah know, to put your enemies in my hands, but you still got a mantle. He says, 
and there they die and shall be buried, thou and your friends, and to all you have prophesied lies. And now Jeremiah's talking to God. Look how this man felt. He say, oh, Lord, thou has deceived me. He just finished prophesying from being in the stock. He say, for you stronger than me and you have prevailed. He say, I am in derision every day and everyone mocked me. Jeremiah felt like, God, you tricked me. You didn't tell me that the calling on my life was going to come with so much hatred and venom and persecution. And you didn't tell me that this mantle that rested upon me was going to get me in these types of trouble. He's saying, God, you tricked me. You didn't warn me. You didn't prepare me for this. And so Jeremiah said, for since I spake, I cried out and I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Jeremiah felt like all the problems he was having in his life was simply because he was trying to obey God. Now look what Jeremiah said. He said, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart as a fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. Y'all hear what Jeremiah is saying? He say, I didn't realize that even though I was in my feelings and even though I was emotional and even though I felt like I was in trouble because I obeyed God. And I told myself that I'm never going to speak again in his name because every day I find myself in the trouble because I obeyed you. He said, but as I was trying to keep silent and as I was trying to be still with that, that mantle, he said that word was burning in my heart. He said, and I couldn't control it and I couldn't contain it. And that's how it is when you call by God. You can be upset and you can be down, but anytime a situation come up, that calling or that mantle is upon you and it's going to force you to speak. Why? Because when God calls you to do something, he puts it in your spirit. He puts it in your bones. He puts it in your soul. And you may feel like you can take your praise team clothes off or your suits off and you don't want to wear the garments that signify you're a servant of God anymore. But you can find yourself sometimes backslidden and still want to sing gospel. You can find yourself backslidden and still want to preach to your family. Why? Because once God has called you, you can never get away from it because it's in your family. It's in your DNA. It's in your spirit. It's in your bones. And it don't matter. You can be depressed and feel like you're never going to say God's name again. But even in your depression, that word will start bubbling up on the inside of you because it's a mantle. It's a calling. And God put it in you and you can't get away from it. So all you got to do is make up in your mind can I get an amen? Anybody ever felt like that? I know I have. <laughs> Praise God. You can't get away from what God has called you to do. You can be upset. You can get mad. You can whatever you want to do. But if God has put a mantle on your life <laughs> of any kind, of any kind, he's requiring a fulfillment. Praise God. Jeremiah was in prison and just got slapped. And he said, I'm not speaking. I'm not prophesying. Anymore. I'm done. But he couldn't contain it. 
because it was like a fire. It was in his DNA. It becomes part of who you are, praise God. Your calling is part of your personality. You, be, you, you become identified. Some people know you by your calling. Amen. Can I get an amen? Praise God. Praise God. Let's go over here to first to Ezekiel 28 and 13. I'm just trying to show you something. I'm just trying to show you something here. And it'll help you fight. Because that mantle causes God to protect you. That scripture says that we are his ambassadors. And there is no nation that sends out an ambassador and don't protect them. So if you make up in your mind that you're going to obey God no matter what, God himself is going to look out for you. Let's go to Ezekiel 13. I just want to show you this too. Verse 12. He says, son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, thus said the Lord God. Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He said, you have been in Eden, the garden of God. He said, every precious stone was your covering. The sardines, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold. He said, the workmanship of your tablets and of your pipes was prepared in the, in the day that you were created. Look what God told him. He said, when I created you, the gift that I have for you, he said, the music, the tabrets, the pipes, he said, the ability that you have. He said, you didn't give yourself the ability to sing or make the music or preach or anything to be an entrepreneur, to organize. God said, none of these things that you are gifted to do, you did it yourself. He said, but when it's a gifting of God, in the day you come into existence, it's already in you. Praise God. We need to know that. It's in you already. Amen. And a lot of times you just got to let it come out. You need somebody to see it and speak to it and push it and encourage it. But every one of you that's watching me, God has put something in you that can contribute to making this world better. And he's looking for you to fulfill it. And, like, and stop blaming people because no human can control your gift being smothered. The scripture says a man's gift will make him some room and bring him before great men. I just witnessed that. I know a lot of you know Bree. I know a lot of you saw the video where she was literally standing in the White House garden put the president on one side, the vice president there, and all of these high-ranking officials, you can see the Secret Service in the bushes, all of that protecting. They had to get tested and go through extreme security measures to, to go into the, the capital of the most powerful nation in the world. So you can't tell me that a, the scripture is not accurate. No human brought her there. No human was responsible for the gift that's in that child. God put that in that child. Nobody can take credit for that. Before she was in the womb of my wife, God had put them, that in her pipes. 
and nobody can say, I put that in there. So because nobody can say, I put that in there, nobody can take it out. The only person that can stop that gift from reaching what God has called it to do is her because she allows something to trip her up. But as long as she is committed to serving God with all of her life and all of her mind and all of her soul, God is going to continue to bring her where he want to bring her. But what kind of honor is that? The only thing that propelled her to that position was what these scriptures say. The gift of God will take you before great men. And that's what you got to realize. Stop blaming human beings for where you are. What's in you is going to take you where it needs to be. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So let's go over here. Let me go over here. I mean, I'm trying to help somebody today. Let's go over here to First Kings. Let me show you something here. First Kings 13. I'm just walking through a few scriptures. This story right here really, really, really blessed me. First Kings 13. Let me make sure I'm going to the. First Kings 13 and 20. There's some scriptures that, amen. Look what it says. First Kings 13 and 20. Listen to this. All right. And it came to pass as they sat at the table. Am I in the right one? Hold on. Hold on. That don't look like what I'm looking for. Y'all bear with me. Let me. Let me find it real quick. All right. Y'all get y'all a drink of water. Let me find this. I can't let this scripture slip. Get y'all a drink of water or something, but I cannot let this one slip because I'm trying to drive home something. I gotta I can't let this slip. Can't let this slip. I'm in Second Kings. I'm sorry, that's why I couldn't find it. Second Kings 13, 20 and 21. Second Kings 13, 20 and 21. All right. Praise God. And it came to pass that Elisha died. Y'all catch this scripture. Elisha died and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass. A word just came to me. I'm going to release it. And as they were burying a man that behold they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elijah, he revived and stood up on his feet. Do y'all hear what the word of God just said? It says, um, it says, Elijah the prophet died and they buried him in his sepulchre. And so what happened, some men were passing by and somebody died. And they took him and they was burying him and they threw some people on in the tomb where Elijah was buried. And that man's body hit Elijah bones. And when that man's body hit Elijah bones, 
The bone of Elisha was so anointed, it brought life back into the man that touched his bones. Lord Jesus. Now you tell me that the mantle that's over your life doesn't go down in your spirit. This man's bones. Elijah was already gone to his resting place, Elijah. But the anointing, the residue of anointing that was left just on his bones revived the man that just touched his bones. And this is the word of the Lord that you're going to see coming out of this pandemic. You're going to see different types of miracles. You're going to see God doing miraculous things without human-to-human contact. You're going to see God performing things just by words being spoken. Because if a person is anointed, laying on of the hands is one way to do it. But God has several different methods that he can get her things done. And you're going to see God in this next season. You're going to see God start to move in a miraculous way. You just remember. All you got to do is make sure you're anointed. And the anointing of God has the ability to mutate and do whatever it needs to do to get the job done. Praise God. That's proof of it right there. When you anoint it, the Bible said that the anointing, that this man's body just touched the bones of the man of God. See, that's why it's so important to protect your anointing. It's so important that you don't let anything contaminate your purity and your sanctity. Because what gives your anointing is power and its potency is the life that you live. And when you live in a clean life, that anointing can flow through you. And demons have to tremble and they have to obey because when the anointing is present, though you can't see it, those spirits know where the anointing is. Whenever the seven sons of Steva tried to fabricate an anointing and they said, hey, let's, I adjure you by Jesus that this man preached. Those demons got offended and say, we don't perceive an anointing upon your life. So you don't have the uh, authority. And I'm surprised that you have the audacity to command something in the spirit world to move. And you don't have the power behind you to do it. The real anointing of God can't be fabricated. It's a calling. But you have to line up and walk in the word of God. And that's what gives the anointing in your life is potency. And that's what causes the eyes of the spirit world to recognize the authority that's in your life. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So you got to protect your anointing. Because when you need things to move, <laughs> you don't need doubt in there. You don't need anything to interfere because in the spirit world, when you're walking in your mantle, when you're walking in your power, you're walking in your anointing, the spirit world has to obey. And the anointing that's upon you will destroy yoke in people's lives. Praise God. So protect your anointing at all costs. Praise God. Don't let your anointing be contaminated by grudges and bitterness and the lust of the flesh and all of these things. Praise God. Let's go to 1 Samuel. And I'm just traveling through these scriptures showing you how the anointing of God, amen, operates. And notice, I showed you the anointing of God when it comes in your life. When does that mantle come? That mantle comes before you're born. God already predestinates what he has called you to do and he puts it in, your, he puts it in you. Before you are formed in the womb. And that's a beautiful scripture because 
any woman that has ever had ultrasounds or if anybody ever saw ultrasounds, they, the technology is beautiful because you can literally watch the formation of a child. You can watch the different stages of the progression. That's what God is talking about. God is talking about before your mother went through that nine-month process of you being formed and your identity coming and what you were going to look like. God saying at the seed level, at the thought level, at the, at the conception level, God say, I put this in you already. That's a beautiful scripture. So we see the mantle comes before birth, not at birth, because it starts in the mind of God. Amen. And we see that the mantle travels with you through trials, meaning the things that you go through in life don't excuse you from getting from under the mantle. And we see that even in death, when Elijah died, the residue of his anointing was still there. Now let's go look at a prophet that was called up from the grave. Let me show you how powerful this anointing is, this mantle is. Boy, this is an exciting word. Because you need to know that your mantle is just as much a part of your identity as your first and last name. Your mantle is part of who you are. Amen. Part of your identity. I showed you how Jeremiah didn't want to preach no more because of that mantle. This is a stand-up message. Boy, I wish I, I was preaching in church right now. I feel it. First Samuel 28. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. First Samuel 28. Hallelujah. So we're just seeing the different progressions of the mantle. So let me show you that even after death, 1 Samuel 28, 7 and 14 through 14. Okay, so here's the Philistines coming together, and Saul got afraid. Verse 5 says, and when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. So, verse 7, then Saul said unto his servants, seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit, that I might go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said unto him, Behold, there's a woman that has a familiar spirit at indoor. God's people should never be going to psychics and witches and mediums and reading the stars and astrologies and horoscopes. No, when you're walking with God, God has the answer and the direction for your life. And I know in this area that's big, but that's, this is how you knew that the man of God was walking outside of the will. Because in his fear, in his fear, he was going to psychics and witches and mediums. So Saul disguised himself and he put on other raiment and he went and the two men with him. And then came to the woman by night and he said, I pray thee. Divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said, Behold, thou knowest what Saul has done, how he has cut off those that have familiar spirits, and the wizards out of the land. So why are you asking me, you snare my life, and you trying to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth. There shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. So then said the woman, well, whom shall I bring up 
And he said, bring up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, why have you deceived me? You saw. And the king said unto her, don't be afraid. For what did you see? And the woman said, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said, what form is he of? And she said, an old man is coming up. And he is covered, hallelujah, with a mantle. See, even when this man had gone to his place of rest, the mantle that was up on his life had followed him there. And that's what God is showing you in these scriptures. That mantle that's up on your life, you may as well as embrace it because God put that in you. No human put that in you. Whenever Samuel was being called up out of his place of rest, whenever Samuel, his physical, when they showed again, the Bible said he was identified. How did they know it was Samuel? Because the mantle that was upon him identified him. And that's what you need to know. In the spirit realm, a token sign of your identity is the mantle that's resting upon you. You can't see the mantle now with physical eyes, but in the spirit realm, because the mantle is spiritual. The calling is spiritual. The gift is spiritual. And it follows you. It's with you before you formed in the womb. It's with you in your trials is with you in your times of glory is with you in your times of defeat that's why he said it's without repentance because no matter what you do in life even if you get yourself outside of the will of God on the day of judgment one of the things you could be judged for is not fulfilling the mantle that was upon you that's an indictment that can be a charge upon you and you can't say well God I allow somebody to offend me God I allow somebody to hurt me God I allow this but there will be no excuses because God can strengthen you in anything that you're going through and that mantle that's upon you I don't care where you find yourself wherever you may be that mantle is still a requirement even in the book of Acts, the scriptures talk about how the saints were scattered abroad. And even when them saints were scattered abroad, wherever they found themselves, the Bible said they started preaching. After the fog wore off, after the haze wore off, after all the dust settled, the mantle that was up in them, it came alive again. And they started preaching even while they were disconnected. And that was a form that God used to advance the kingdom of God. <laughs> Praise God. So just know this. The scriptures say when Samuel came up, when that witch called Samuel out of that grave, she said she recognized who it was because she saw a mantle on him. You can't get away from your mantle and there is no excuse. I don't care what you go through. I don't care what happened to you. There's a mantle of God that was upon your life before you even formed in the womb because the mantle is not by human design. The mantle is not by church design. The mantle, no human being has power over the mantle. The mantle comes from God. The gift comes from God. The calling comes from God. And you've got to be faithful to God. And then that gift that's upon you, God will take it where it needs to be. But you've got to believe that by faith. So now let's look at this as I get ready to close. Before Jeremiah was born, God told him what he put in him. And then when he was in jail, God, the mantle spoke when he didn't want to speak. When Elisha died, the residue was still on his bones. 
when this man of God, Samuel, was gone, he came up out of the grave, the mantle was recognized. So throughout your existence, don't you know people, when Jesus went to hell, he was preaching. Even in hell, his mantle was alive. Even in, even after you die, some people gonna, and if you don't make it in, you still gonna remember how to pray and preach. So even in death, that mantle is still gonna be with you. For what I'm trying to tell you is from the time of that you come into existence at the seed form, there's a mantle that's an eternal mantle that's attached to your life that will follow you from the time of your inception throughout your existence, even beyond the grave. <laughs> Praise God. So you can't get away from your mantle. Put your face in your mantle. Can <laughs> you say, God, God I, I don't know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> I, I, I literally have no idea. I don't know how you're going to fulfill what you... I, I really have no idea. But what I am going to do, I'm a man up, I'm a woman up, and I'm going to stop making excuses and I'm going to get before you in prayer and I'm going to embrace what you have called me to do and who you have called me to be and I'm going to just trust you with the rest. Become like Moses when they put him in that basket. He had no idea. He didn't even know what was, he didn't have the mental uh, aptitude to even formulate what was going on around him. But God took that basket and sent it where he wanted it to go because he had a mantle on him. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's let's finish this word up. Praise God. Let's finish this word. Amen. I pray that you follow me today. Please. Your destiny is between you and God. Your mantle was given to you by God. What this singing, what this preaching, what this anything. Some people don't even realize that in the body of Christ, they have what helps, called helps. You may have a mantle upon you to be a great help to the kingdom of God, being a deacon. Or some people are called to God to support a ministry financially. <laughs> Do it cheerfully. If God has blessed you to be an entrepreneur or have a great career, and you feel a tongue on your heart, to support the kingdom of God financially, that's a ministry. That's, you've been called to do that. Don't let nothing stop you from doing that because that's, God is the one that gives you the ability to acquire anything that you have. So never withhold from God was God. The scriptures say, give unto God the glory that's due unto his name. And when you embracing the mantle that God has put upon you, that's glorifying God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Put your face in your mantle. Amen. So let's get ready to bring this to a close. Hallelujah. Book of Ezekiel. Let's look at this. Now, there's a lot of people with mantles that simply have given up. So let's look at this beautiful scripture. Now I see the scripture in a whole new way. I really do. I can honestly say that. Let me, let me bring this scripture to you. Ezekiel, we've heard this story literally so many times. But let's look at it in context of the people involved. Ezekiel 37, 1. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Excuse me. And, this, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And it set me down in the midst 
of the valley, which was full of bones. He's talking about bones. When you start talking about bones, he's talking about the skeletal system. And the skeletal system is literally the foundation of human existence because that's where blood is produced and oxygen travels through blood. So when you start talking about bones, that's where your white and blood red, all these things, this is where the foundation of life is. So he said, the valley was full of bones. <clears throat> and he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. Meaning they had been dry. He used the term dry because blood wasn't being produced. There was no life in them. There was no cells in them. And not only were they dry, but they weren't connected. <laughs> Praise God. And he said unto me, son of man, wow, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, thou knowest. <laughs> Didn't me show you why that's so beautiful. <laughs> and this is why you, a, a token of Christian maturity is learning that their lives is in the hand of God and not humans. Here is Ezekiel, and they had classifications of prophets. He was considered a major prophet, okay? And here is a major prophet of God looking at the condition of bones, and he said, God just asked him a simple question. He said, analyze these bones. Look at them. See how they disconnected? They dry. There's no life in them. No activity. They've been battling for a very long time. Man of God, you think they can live? He looked at him and he gave an honest answer. What he really was saying is, I don't think they can. But he said, God, you know. So he didn't even believe that the bones could live again. And that was the man of God looking at the bones. And that's why it's so important for you to know that you got to learn how to have a walk with God. Because sometimes you may not get the, the, the pat on the back or the affirmation that you're looking for in human form. But when you know God has called you, then you've got to learn how to rise above. Even if you face an adverse treatment in the human form, you've got to align your thoughts with what God is saying about you. So the man of God said, God, you know. And God said, prophesy upon these bones and say, oh, you dry bones hear the word of the Lord. He said, thus said the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause bread to enter into you, and you're going to live. He said, and I will lay sinews upon you, and I will bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now let's look at the steps in this passage here. God said, I'm going to breathe on you. He said, and once I breathe upon you, and then I'm going to put sinews upon you. Talking about he's going to start connecting or he's going to start building your life piece by piece, layer by layer, bone by bone, marrow by marrow, tendon by tendon. God said, once I get a hold to you and I start to breathe on you, Step by step, I'm going to cause your life to come back into the place where I want it to be. He says, 
and then I'm going to cover you with skin. He said, I'm going to cover you with flesh and then skin. He's talking about, and then he said, and you shall know that I'm the Lord. <laughs> what he's saying is, even though Ezekiel, the man of God, didn't believe that you can live again, because it's not by him that you're going to live. He said, but when I get through with your life, you're going to know that nobody could arrest me out of this situation but the Lord. And a lot of times God will put us in situations to where we feel like we're not hearing from this one or, or that one. But what God is trying to do in your life, he don't want the pastor to get the glory. He don't want the leader to get the glory. God sometimes will put us in situations and deliver us. And all we can say is nobody but God. God don't want to share his glory with nobody, with me, with anybody, because I'm human has limited resources. They're finite. They can only do so much. They got to sleep. They got to rest. They got jobs. But God is a spirit that never sleeps and he don't need rest. And sometimes God puts us in situations that the only person you can call upon is God. And the reason he does that sometimes is because he's trying to teach you how to walk with God. You gotta learn how to walk with God. You gotta learn how to let God maneuver you and order your steps. Even when Pilate told Jesus, he said, Don't you know I got the power? That's when Jesus stopped him. He said, You don't have the power to take my life. He said, God gave me a commandment. He said, you can lay your life down, and in three days you can pick it up again. Pilate felt like he had the power to, to, to kill Jesus or let him go free. And up until that point, Jesus was quiet. The only thing that prompted a conversation from Jesus was when he said, I have the power. When Pilate or a human in authority said he had the power, that's when Jesus said, oh, no, hold on. This manner that's upon me didn't come from you. It came from God. And I made an agreement that I can lay my life down and pick it back up in three days. That was a commandment from God. That's, and that's when you know that you're starting to walk with God. When you stop placing your destiny in human hands and realize that the ultimate controller of your destiny is God because he set it in motion and you, if you come into compliance with it, praise God. And that's the Bible. <laughs> Amen. He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied while I was preaching, there was a noise. And a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And behold, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them. And there was no breath in them. So their lives started coming back together, but there was no breath in them. And so God said, speak to the wind, man of God, and prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus said the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. And breathe upon these slain that they may live. He used that word slain because slain is another form of the word slaughter. And what God was trying to show is that these individuals encountered some type of adversity that simply knocked them out of the race. That simply discouraged them. That simply slaughtered them. That simply had them in a backslidden condition to where they didn't want the mantle of God anymore. They didn't want to obey God anymore. And they were slain. Slain is when something kills you. They were slain. He says, so I prophesied as I commanded. And when that breath came unto them, they lived. 
And he said they started to stand up as an exceeding great army. And then he said unto me, he started identifying who these people are. He said, man of God, let me show you what you're looking at. Lord Jesus. He said, these, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Lord Jesus. He said, in modern terms, there's apostles that have been slain, that have gotten from under their mantle. There's prophets nowadays that have gotten from under their mantle. There's evangelists, there's pastors, worship leaders, helps, governments. There's all kind of people in the body of Christ that have gone through some type of adversity, whether it's church-related or they fell back into sin or something that has knocked them out of the race. And God is saying, hey, these are not just ordinary people. Though they may be backslidden, though they may be discouraged, though they may be frustrated, I still have a hope and a desire to fulfill what I spoke upon them and what I put in them before they were formed in the womb. He said, you're not just looking at ordinary people. He said, but these are calm people. These are people with an assignment. And you got to know, hey, man, I am called by God. I am somebody. I don't care what humans say about me. I don't care. It doesn't matter. God has declared that I am an apostle, that I am a prophet. I am a man of God, a woman of God. And that's all I need to know. If God has said that about me, then that's who I am. And what I'm going to do at this moment in my life, I'm going to embrace what God has said I am. And I'm going to fulfill it. And when I leave this world, the residue of my anointing is still going to be here. And when you see me on the other side, that mantle that was upon me, it's still, you still going to know that when I was in this earth realm, that mantle was upon me. You got to carry your mantle into the grave and there got to be a legacy or a residue that you leave behind. You can't leave this world with no uh, spiritual uh, uh, legacy not left behind you. And nothing you face is justification for you getting out of what God has placed in you before you met life change. God placed that in you before we met. Praise God. And it's your assignment and your requirement to fulfill what God has called you to do through every season of your life. That's why Paul say, whatever state I'm in, I've learned how to be content. No matter what state I find myself in, no matter what adversity I face, I'm going to be loyal to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. One song saying, this joy, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. And I'm going I'm to add to that. I don't, I'm not a singer. But this manner that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. And that's how you got to feel. When God is placed in you, no human gave that to you. God gave that to you. And you cannot let what God gave you be taken away. So I don't care where you are in life. <laughs> I don't care where you are in life. I don't care what condition you find yourself in right now. We're going to pray and speak to the wind of God. And that's what I like about the wind of God. <laughs> the wind of God is not, it can't be contained by what's our address of 1515 West University? We can't contain the wind of God. Look what the man say. He's saying, God, I'm gonna build you a house. God say, 
But what house you going to build me? He said, seeing that the whole earth is my footstool. He said, heaven is my throne. But this man of God spoke to the four winds that come from the corners of the earth. He said, so how you think a church can contain the wind of God? Some of you, you have allowed this quarantine season to weaken you. But the wind of God can visit you wherever you are. Just because we, can't, we haven't been able to gather physically, the wind of God cannot be contained by a church building. We cannot limit and restrict God to geographical locations. But Jesus taught like this. If somebody say the kingdom of God is over there at this one particular address, he say, don't go with him. He said, because the kingdom of God is within you. And wherever you go, the kingdom of God, he said, is in you. When the Holy Ghost comes on the inside of you, it it's in your spirit, it it's in your heart, it it's in your mind. And that can't be contained by an address. And the wind of God that I'm speaking about today, if you believe me when we go to prayer, it's going to come visit you right where you are. And it's going to cause this move of God to initiate and get started right as you're watching me on this live stream. You don't have to wait for somebody to lay hands on you. This man, Elijah, was gone and his bones uh, raised somebody from the dead. Samuel was already dead and he prophesied from his grave. The anointing of God comes from an eternal God and is not restricted or confined by bricks and mortar and buildings and human gatherings. But the anointing or the wind of God, it transcends all physical existence because God is in a, on a throne in heaven and this whole earth is his footstool. They say all the inhabitants of the earth are just like grasshoppers and God can blow his wind. They say in the last days, I will pour out my my spirit upon all flesh. I don't care where you are. I don't care where you're located. I don't care what time it is, wherever you watch it. If you believe today, the wind of God can blow over you and you can be revived right where you are. We don't have to wait till June the 7th. We don't have to wait for that. Praise God. This can start right now. Praise God. The wind of God is not constricted or restrained by geography. Those four points of the earth were outside of the earth. And when that wind started to blow on those bones, God was showing them in the vision that the wind comes from him and it visits the earth. Praise God. Lord Jesus. I will, this is what, this is how these mighty, see, mighty people can get discouraged. The mighty people can fall. Mighty people can be slain. And this is the talk of those mighty people. They said, my bones are dry and our hope is lost and we are cut off for our parts. Sometimes you can feel disconnected and you can feel hopeless and you can feel like you will never fulfill what God called you to do. But somebody say the devil is a lie 
than the father of lies. If you receive this word that I'm bringing you today, God is saying if you put your face back in your mantle, God is going to revive you and God is going to bring you back into and stop saying in your mind what it's going to look like, how it's going to do it. Don't even worry about how you're going to do it. Don't even worry about what it's going to look like. Get all of that off your mind and just say step one, I'm putting my face back in my mantle and God the rest is up to you. And God wherever you lead me, you lead me, you got me and I'm going to allow this I'm going to I'm going to be faithful to you and the rest is up to you take over my life like you did Moses just imagine yourself being put in that basket and put on the water and when you got put on that water the hand of God just started guiding that and brought that baby right where God wanted him to be even as a babe God can guide you even as a newcomer to Christ God can guide you why because you didn't the calling didn't start when you turned to Christ he told Nicodemus uh, uh, Nathaniel or one of he said when I saw you in the fig in the tree over there I already knew who you were he was letting them know the, the the calling didn't start when you met Jesus he said I knew who you were before we even formally met and that's what Jesus is saying before you even turn your life to him before you even give yourself to God the calling of God is already there before you even come in contact with him he told him when I saw you in the tree I already knew who you were but that's why a lot of you were kept in 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 trap houses and in drug deals that went bad and bullets was pointed at your head and you didn't even know God and you were caught in some bad situations. Sometimes I can remember a few of them. I can remember one time driving back to college and I was with one of my friends. This was before I even came into contact and was born of the spirit of God. And I'm driving this little car on a chaffalaya and we in there smoking weed and we, we, we going back to college after break. <laughs> And I'm driving that car, and I don't, I don't even remember what happened. But for some kind of way, I lost attention, and it's like I dozed off. I don't even know. I looked away, and when I looked up, I was headed to the guardrail at full speed. And literally, nobody has the reaction time <laughs> to grab the wheel and turn it and be safe. But it was like when I saw the rail, it's like instantly the car got back straight. That's not even humanly possible. And I didn't even know God. But the call of God and the mantle that God already had up on my life, it wasn't time for me to go. It wasn't time for me to be injured. It wasn't time for me to be hurt. But the, the faithfulness of God, because God knew that one day when he can get in the right situation and hear the right word, I called him. And he's going to answer that call. And I'm going to use him. And that's a true story. But there was no way I could have got that car back in line. I was high. But that was God's provision protecting me before I even turned my life to him. So that's how powerful that mantle is. Amen. If God has called you to do something, God is going to protect you. And look, anybody ever been in a situation like that? You can testify while I'm talking to where God spared you when you were in the world. Somebody pulled guns out on you and it jammed. You didn't get lucky. You wasn't smart. There was a calling upon you. Praise God. Got out of gunfights. Got caught in situations that you wasn't supposed to be in. You're not that smart. Don't be so proud. God protected you even when you were in sin. Praise God. It's that mantle. Amen. 
Some people say, I dodged the bullet. No, the hand of God was upon you. Praise God. The hand of God was upon you. The, the hand of, you know, and I thank God. I remember when I came out of the world and I was walking through salvation and I started to think. And I say, Lord, you, you rescued me out of the world with no STDs, with no diseases, with no children out of wedlock. And this is my personal testimony because I started to think about all of the things that you get yourself caught up in in sin. And when you bound in sin, you don't even realize the, the full consequences of the actions you take and can happen to you. And I came out of sin and God, even though how sin had messed with my, my thinking and my intelligence, how God has restored that and God kept me, my body clean, no diseases. He kept my health. I don't have kids all over the place. I'm grateful to God because that wasn't by my doing. God did that because he knew that he had work for me to do. And many of you have the same testimonies. I wasn't so smart that I avoided these things, avoided HIV and all of these things. I never got caught up in none of that. And it wasn't because I was so smart. It was because God had his hand up on me. And now you got to be humble enough to realize that you're only here today because he kept you. He kept you. So if God didn't let that take you out, you owe him your life. Answer the call. Answer the call. You need to answer the call. And you need to surrender your life to Christ. And you need to, you need to say, God, why did you spare me? Because I didn't know why God got that call back in line. My friend over there, he hired too, so it wasn't him. Amen. It was only the angel of God. I, I didn't know why, but now I know why. Because God called me to do this and blessed me to be married and raise two wonderful kids, both of them working and healthy. I didn't know God had this life plan for me. Praise God. I, when you 17, 18, 19, you trying to figure out your life. But God already has a destiny for you. And one thing I learned, and this is what the Lord wanted me to share with you. Your peace in life is directly connected to you answering the call of God. Because once that mantle is upon you and you recognize it, you will never be at peace until you walk in the destiny that God ordained for you. Because that mantle will trouble you in the club. I remember one time I backslid and I was sitting in the club and I'm like, I'm steadily, I'm back in the world and I'm, I'm just drinking, I'm something. And I'm trying to get so high because God was dealing with me so much. Because when you go back into the world, it's not like when you grew up in the world. Because when you grow up in the world and you get exposed to different things, you don't know better. But after you've turned to God and you've experienced the spirit of God and you know God has called you and God has spoken over you. When you go back into the world, you won't be able to rest because now you have knowledge that God has called you. And you have tasted the powers of the word. And I remember trying to escape that. And you can get high and you can wake up and God's still dealing with you. The scary part is when you can go back into the world and you start to lose the conviction in your conscience. Now that's when it's time to be afraid. But if you fell off back into the world and God is still tugging at you, there's hope for you, praise God. There's hope for you. There's hope for you. You wasn't kept from in, that, in, those, in, in those 
pitfalls and car accidents. That wasn't by accident. That was a mantle upon you. Praise God. Let me finish this. I didn't even plan on saying all of that. God kept you. Somebody say, God, you kept me alive. <laughs> or like they sung this song today. You have rescued my life. What a beautiful song. You have, man, that just makes you so emotional. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all excuse me. Amen. When you start to reflect and think about how God rescued your life. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. You have rescued my life. Never going back. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 12. He said, therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus said the Lord God. Behold, oh, my people, he said, I'm going to open your graves, and I'm going to cause you to come up out of your graves, and I'm going to bring you back into the land of Israel. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you shall know, hallelujah, Lord, when I've opened your graves, oh, my people, and brought you up out of your graves, God is saying you are getting ready to see some divine intervention. You are getting ready to see some situations. Your grave is a place. Some people think you've been buried. Some people think it's over for you. But God said, I'm, going, I'm coming to that grave. I'm thinking of the story of Lazarus. Praise God. Four days dead. Four days dead. And Lazarus was wrapped up in these grave clothes. Hallelujah. And they told him, they say, Lord, if you would have been here. If you would have been here, praise God. He say, my brother wouldn't have died. He say, I am the resurrection. He say, he said, though he dead, yet shall he live. And they didn't understand. They say, yeah, we know he's going to come back in the end. He said, no, I'm not. He, he was like, I'm not talking about in the end. He said, I'm the resurrection right now. And this is the word of the Lord for you today. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He said, though you were dead in trespasses and sins and discouraged and depressed and hurt and defeated, God said, I'm coming to your grave today. I'm coming to your condition right now, that grave of depression, whatever caused you to die. He said, I'm coming get you. God, because when you're in the grave, you can't get out of the grave. You need somebody to come get you out of the grave. You need a savior to rescue you. And Jesus say, I'm coming to this grave right now. And I'm coming open that grave. And I'm coming to get my people. Praise God. Amen. So right where you are, praise God. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And there's some things I need y'all to pray. pray. Pray with me today. Prayer warriors, come on. Pray with me. I need y'all to touch and agree with me today because this is a prophetic word. This is something God want to do for you right now. Praise God. And I need you to pray with me, whoever you are, sincerely. And don't miss what God is going to do. He told the man of God to speak to the wind. And the wind came from the four corners. And we're going to do that today. And I'm believing God that the wind of his spirit... 
is going to come visit you and meet you right where you are. Hallelujah. And if there's anything in your heart that you need to ask God to forgive you for, amen, God is going to do it. Amen. And as we go before God, let us go humbly. Let us go in a mind of repentance. And as you repent before God with sincerity, and as you feel the wind of God come to visit you, praise God. Be humble and allow the wind of God to revive you right where you are. Hallelujah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Lord, I thank you right now. Okay. Hallelujah. Oh God, you have rescued my life. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh God, you have rescued my life, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord. And I'm never going back, God. Hallelujah. Oh God. God, forgive us of our sin, God. Forgive us, God, of any transgression that we've committed against heaven, God. For against you only, oh God, have we sinned. Have mercy. Have compassion. God, forgive your people today. God, even at the word of the Lord, visit the graves. Open the graves, oh God. Go get your apostle, God. Go get your prophet, God. Go get your handmaiden, God. Go get the man of God, the woman of God, the preacher, the song leader, the praise team member. God, those that work in sound, God, streaming, God, in any facet, in any capacity, God, those that you have called to give, God, whatever capacity, culinary, it don't matter. Go visit these graves. And I speak to the wind, God, breathe upon your people. Oh, God. Oh, God, speak to the wind, God. Revive your people, God. Strengthen your people, God. Breathe upon your people, God. God, for if you don't save us, God. God, if you don't open these graves, we perish forever, Lord. Speak to the wind. Revive us. Heal your people, God. Breathe upon your people, God. Oh, God, we call upon you, God. Oh, God of heaven, we call upon you, God. Oh, God of the universe, we call upon you, God. Save us, God. Save us, God. Revive us, oh God. Restore your people, Israel, God. Bring her back into her land, oh God. Abundantly pardon God 
You're rich in mercy, God. You're plenteous in mercy, God. You're ever forgiving. You're ever loving. God, your mercies fail not. Your compassion fail not. For your mercies are new every morning. And it is because of your mercies we're not consumed. God, now, God, that we are not consumed. Strengthen us, oh God. Revive your people, Israel, oh God. Restore them in prayer. Breathe upon them right now. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. For the wind of God is the spirit of God. The breath of God. The life of God. It is your spirit. It is your essence. Breathe upon the house of Israel. Restore every servant, every handmaiden, every man of God, every woman of God. Cause them to put their face in their mantles and embrace it till death. God, that let nothing separate them from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And as we move into this new season, God, do a new thing in us, oh God. Rukanda, Rimamande, God, do a new thing in us, God. Hallelujah. I believe you today, God. Do a new thing in your people, God. Hallelujah. And God, I worship you. Hallelujah. And God, I bless you. Oh, God, I honor you today. God, thank you for sparing my life. Thank you for rescuing my life. Thank you for keeping me through times that are not even worth discussing. God, things that we're ashamed of, you help us, oh God. And I thank you, God. God, thank you. I bless you. God, and as we move forward in ministry, bless this ministry. God, continue to cause your hand to be upon it. Let the posture of our heart always be humble. Because every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we have nothing that we didn't receive from your wonderful throne. Let the grace of God empower us. Let the grace of God carry us into this new season. Give us a fresh anointing to be effective in this season. I thank you for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And remember this as we go to our benediction. Paul told the Corinthian church. He said be steadfast. He said be unmovable. He say, always abound in the work of the Lord. He say, for know this, that your work and your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Praise God. So let's go to number six to our benediction. Praise God. Amen. Number six, verse 24. And we're going to get ready to be dismissed. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Number 24. Y'all read it with me like we together. Y'all ready? One, two, three. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. And give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. And I will bless them. 
God bless you. Amen. Can't wait to see all of you again. Remember, June the 7th is our tentative date that we're planning on coming back together. Keep us in prayer. Amen. And long as things go according to plan, amen. We're going to try to come on back together. Amen. Keep us in prayer. God bless you. We love you. Can't wait to see you again. God bless you.